When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We are live from Wollongong Golf Club, one of the most beautiful spots on the south coast, but she is a bit fresh <laughs> this morning. Hope you're enjoying the start to your weekend. We're 15.75 a.m. SEN track Illawarra, or for the first hour, 11.70 a.m. in Sydney. Joining me this morning, NBL Championship winning captain, Matt Campbell. Good morning, Matt. Morning, yes. Plenty of beanies on the golf course today. It is a very fresh four or five degree, feels like temperature outside at the moment. Yeah, they're certainly going to earn their uh, their beer after their round this mm-hmm. morning, the golfers out here at Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Tim Barrow. My only sporting claim to fame would be captaining to losing fourth grade uni grand finals in Illawarra <laughs> cricket, but we can't win them all. Speaking of cricket, we have to do a quick salute to Usman Khawaja fighting the good fight for Australia overnight. The Aussies are, what are we, 221 in front. Uzi Khawaja, 58 of 123 balls, and Steve Smith lasted till stumps, well, when the rain hit, Mm. six not out, so... The Aussies in a commanding position. Yeah, it was interesting. I was listening to the telecast last night. They t- talked about how the weather has been against the Aussies the whole time. Yeah, it has. Know, lights on, rain when we're out there batting. Yep. When when the Pommies were on there, yep. just beautiful sunshine, flat pitch. Oh, so. Jimmy Anderson was just making it sing there with the new rock. Um, Kawaja and uh, Warner getting cut in half a few times there. That was unbelievable last night. I was watching that Kawaja miss on the inside edge. I don't know how that didn't hit pad, wickets or the bat. Um, yeah. Yeah, some phenomenal bowling. And he's 40 years old. Yep. Like, you look at that attack, 40 and 36, I think. Yep. Um, you know, for those guys to be rolling in the way they are, they're phenomenal athletes for the Poms. Um, yep. But it's been a great series. I've actually been intrigued and enthralled by it. Um, I think Basball, the first test, obviously got us into the mood. Yep. This one's a bit more traditional. I think both sides are trying to find their feet with the way they should be playing. Yeah. Um, but England seem to be just in that middle. They don't know where, how hard to go or how, how much to pull back. And the Aussies are ticking along nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're in a re- you know one, maybe two good sessions tonight. And uh, there could be virtually 2-0 unless the English can save a draw over the next day. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, the new player in town, Wollongong City, GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. And Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Head to impactgaragedoors.com.au. Well, we've had a weather theme to open the show. Talking of weather, so Matty, Matty Russell, our Fox Sports commentator and captain of the Saturdays in the Gong ship, he's gone from calling South and the Warriors in driving rain last night to heading down to the coldest place on earth, Canberra, to uh, cover the Canberra Raiders game down there. Uh, who's that against? That's against the Titans. Uh, no, that is against the Titans this afternoon. Good morning to you, Matty Russell. 
Timothy, Matthew, good morning to both of you. Yes, Tropical Canberra is my location today, and you're right, Raiders Titans. How good is it waking up at the moment? And first thing I do each morning, check the Ashes score. And more often than not, it puts me in a good mood for the rest of the day. We should win this test. We should take a 2-0 series lead, and that will be hard to run down. And it's a nice bit of comfort, given that Lyon is gone for the series with that calf injury. So, yeah, keep it going, Aussies. And Usman Kawaja isn't having a series. No, totally, absolutely, and you're right. Like it's it's normally, normally I've been looking for the last sort of two days of a test match to really f- catch up and find out what's going on because I'm looking for a result. But this this uh, Ashes seems to be one of those ones where you just don't want to turn away from it. And I found myself not last night. I got to bed pretty good last night. The night before, I'm sitting there at about twelve thirty with one eye open, going, maybe I'll just watch <laughs> one more over. <laughs> See, my oh, kids that's are younger than yours. <laughs> my, my kids are younger than yours, so I always put the deadline of going to bed at the lunch break. I just can't stay up <laughs> right. any longer. But being a Saturday night and I've got Sunday off work, oh, yeah. there might be a bottle of red open tonight and just uh, just see how long I can last. So I've got a Matty, 12 o'clock uh, deadline, and more often than not, it gets to 5 past 1, 10 past 1. I've got to make myself go to bed. It's a real <laughs> test of discipline in the depths of winter, dragging yourself away from the ashes when the Aussies are going well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I'll be a test of endurance for me tonight. Matty, uh, you're calling the Rabbitohs beating the Warriors. I'm not going to say it was season-defining last night, but it certainly keeps them right in the top four hunt, which is usually the prerequisite to winning a premiership. Let's catch a moment of the action from last night. Hang on, we might have misfired. Chris, have we got a bit of the, uh, the action or the commentary there from last night's South win over the Warriors? Boys. Yep, we'll, 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 throw, we'll throw to some of the post-game commentary. performance been great a few days. To be honest, it's probably the first time in six, seven weeks we've had the full group together, except for those who were injured and with the cup boys coming over, had a really good preparation. And um, I think you saw that in, in our performance. There's a real connection and, and an enjoyment about what we were doing. And that grew as the game went on as well. You want your players to enjoy playing footy. And I just felt like the last few weeks we've maybe lacked that enjoyment a little bit. And probably got a bit fixated on the outcome and you know I'm probably going to wear that a little bit making sure that we're not getting focused on the outcome and sticking to what works for us and that's enjoying our footy loving the moments when we're resilient and I thought in the first 20 minutes there was a lot of resilience in our team we were heavily on the back of, of a penalty count had to defend our line for large periods that 20 minutes and to keep turning away was was where the game was built from I think it was a decent response, Matt Russell, after going down 31-6 to last week to the Cowboys. What did you make of their result? Well, it was a better than decent response. It was outstanding. And I knew that Jason Dimitri would be delighted with that result because he asked all week that his team needed to show some resilience when they were under pressure. They certainly did that. They fell behind 6-0 on the penalty count. And they had less than 40% of the territory early on. Everything was going against them. The Warriors scored first. You add to that, they lost both centres, Isaiah Tash and Campbell Graham pre-kickoff. They shuffled their pack around. They had an 18-year-old debutante. Their form had been poor. Their defence had fallen off a cliff. They were against the Warriors in red-hot form, and the conditions were diabolical. So you put all those ingredients into a bowl, and you think, ooh, this cake might not taste too good for South Sydney tonight. Yet there they are winning really well, inflicting the Warriors heaviest loss of the season and you you said it's not season defining and and that's a a big statement but at the end of the year I wonder how we'll look back 
on that game for South Sydney against the Warriors because they needed a big result. They needed a show of resolve, and they got both of them, so well done, South Sydney. Yeah, well, they moved to 22 points, which is now fifth on the ladder at the moment. Obviously, the buys sort of tossed that around um, as far as where the ladder stands, but the Storm's loss puts them on 24 in fourth place. So it does leave the door ajar in terms of top four. So speaking of the Storm, well, that was a bit of a a wild old game, wasn't it? I mean, the Storm were right on top. They were Mm. dominating. They looked in control. And then suddenly, by halftime, the Panthers just came roaring back. Yeah, we we, we talked about it um, off air. It's, uh, you know, I thought it was an outstanding start to a game. I thought um, Melbourne were controlled it really well. They used their size through the middle um, and were very disciplined. I thought, oh, here we go, a bit of scoreboard pressure. And then uh, all of a sudden, yeah, the Panthers sort of just got those couple of quick tries just before the halftime. And you could just see that turn and that moment momentum shift and that belief come back into the Penrith Panthers and uh, we, we we look at such a great side Penrith when they get their tail up very hard to stop but I mean I thought it was outstanding from the storm early on um, and they should have gone in with a lead and if they had have gone in with a lead at half time I think they would have been able to control the game a bit better but Penrith sitting there at half time would have been like well we were outplayed they had, they had more ball than us. Yes. They were better positioned. Yep. Um, we had a couple of lucky tries. Let's just give it a bit of a run in the second half and see how they handle it. And then, obviously, coming out after half time, the way the Panthers just were methodical, moved the ball, exposed. Probably Melbourne's size was, was obviously better, but... Um, I think Penrith, with their ability to be able to manoeuvre around the ruck, um, get the ball out to the wing quickly, um, allowed for them to, to put some more points on the board. And Matty Russell was a little bit sort of unstorm-like. I know, you know, in their, their great teams, the Cameron Smiths and the Cooper Cronks, they, they just know how to control a game once they're on top. They're very, very hard to catch. Now, they're probably not, you know, quite at that level in terms of a, a complete team, but just a little bit un, unstorm-like to let that lead slip even before half-time to get run down after leading by such a margin, uh, you wouldn't normally see that. Cam Munster still maybe not 100% after his bout of laryngitis, but through my eyes, every week Penrith look more and more like winning the Premiership again. You know, Three straight is on offer, which hasn't been done since the Eels in the early 80s. It's, a, it's some record that they're trying to uh, match from a long time ago. And at the moment, who, who's going to beat them? Like, There's a long way to go. There might be some injuries, but Considering they're still to get Nathan Cleary back, and that would have freshened him up a little bit as well, their defence is just um, unbelievable. The fact they've improved on, on last year. So defending well, big names to come back, winning every which way. Nathan, sorry, Ivan Cleary wasn't happy with the start last night. He said it was one of their worst starts he can remember. Yet they still come back away from home to beat the might of Melbourne. So... Yeah, Penrith, they are very much the team to beat. And that old cliche in rugby league, defence wins comps. Well, their defence just looks better and better each week. It's a simplistic way to look at it, but just running quickly down the ladder. I mean, the Sharks obviously fell over in straight sets last year. Still a question on them in in some of the big games. The Broncos still have it to prove. Obviously, the Storm fell short there last night. The Rabbitohs have stayed in touch with the top four. You still think the Warriors will be there and thereabouts, but then after that, the Raiders, the Eels and the Titans, and maybe the Cowboys are the bolter for the top eight. But as you said, I mean, outside the, the Panthers and, and probably the Rabbitohs at their best, um, there's just to me, there's not a lot of challenges. No, you're right. When you look at how quickly things have changed this season, when South Sydney lost four or five, they slid to the edge of the eight. Other teams have made 
rapid advances with a winning month. There's still a long way to go. You know, injuries can come in the blink of an eye. Form can be fleeting, although I put an asterisk over that when it comes to Penrith. So while they look like premiers now, there is still a long way to go. Ivan Cleary will be fully aware of that. And let's just see what happens in the, the run to the finals and then through the big games in September. So this afternoon, the Raiders and the Titans, 3pm at Canberra Stadium, down there calling for Fox. Uh, a crucial game for both teams, obviously sort of right on the edge of the eight. Absolutely. The Raiders looking to back up their win against the Roosters last weekend at Allianz and winning form also for the Titans, having just beaten the Broncos. Now, the Titans need to, to get on a, a run, don't they? They've teased us with back-to-back wins often over the last few years, but haven't been able to go three in a row. That's on offer tonight. You add to that all the uh, players around the origin edge, the likes of Corey Horsburgh for the Raiders, AJ Brimson for the Titans. So you've got winning form, you've got players trying to put their hands up for origin. Uh, You've got Ricky sitting sideline with all the theatrics. It'll be a good start to Super Saturday today, and it continues right through with the Cowboys up against the Tigers, and tonight I'm looking forward to the Broncos against the Dolphins. In fact, there's a, there's a good question I'm going to test you boys in my set of six shortly when it comes to Wayne Bennett and the number of venues he has coached at during his long and industrious career. But anyway, that's set of six around the corner, Baz. Yeah, well, the Broncos and the Dolphins at uh, the Gabba, which is an interesting twist. Obviously, the Storm played their game down at Marvel Stadium with uh, the rectangular fields being out of action in the lead-up to the Women's World Cup, which we'll be talking a bit of football after 9 o'clock with the Illawarra Mercury's Jordan Warren, uh, not too far away from the Women's World Cup, as well as um, the Wolves. uh... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, yeah, we're slowly dethawing here at Wollongong Golf Club. This is Saturdays in the Gong. Tim Barrow, Matt Russell and Matt Campbell. Now, before we get to the set of six, I just want to quickly go to the most rugby league moment I've seen in years. So Reese Walsh gets three weeks at the NRL judiciary this week, arguing his case that he was swearing at his own teammate and captain and not at the referee, uh, despite some fairly clear video evidence that said otherwise the judiciary panel... Agreed, but here they were in the middle of a judiciary hearing, openly swearing backwards and forwards. It was quite extraordinary. Dear Lord, that's the loudest profanity I've ever heard. Matty Campbell, that was pretty pretty funny, wasn't it? I mean, aside <laughs> yeah. from anything else, just the fact that they were openly allowed to just mm. swear their heads off. I oh, know, seriously. Like, and, I mean, we all know it's part of the game. We all know that, you know, you get a bit, you know, in, into it. The emotions all, all pop out. But then to try and try and say that oh, you, you're swearing at your teammate, come on, mate. Just just wear it on the chin. You say it. You have to do the, do the crime. Matty Russell, that would be pretty commonplace up at the Fig Tree Hotel, wouldn't it? <laughs> I thought I was watching a Kevin Bloody Wilson film clip as I read the reports <laughs> of this uh, judiciary hearing. Just when you think you've seen it all in, in rugby league in terms of off-field atrocities or reasons to be dragged before a judiciary, any sort of event, you know, a new element comes along. And to be in that uh, judiciary hearing this week would have been a long haul, but it must have been. In fact, I've heard from the journalists who were there. It was very, very amusing seeing these highly paid legal eagles for four and a bit hours have Fs and C-bombs flying around the room basically to try and work out who calls who what. <laughs> How good's rugby league? 
Uh, it's, it's actually uh, that is peak rugby league. Speaking of peak rugby league, Matt Russell, set of six. What do you got for us, mate? Start today, Super Saturday in Canberra Raiders Gold Coast. Which Queensland forward has the best game today? Mo Fodawaka, the returning Tino Farsul Malawi, expert witness David Fafita, or Big Red, a man Michael Ennis refers to as the loose unit, Corey Horsburgh. I've got him as a Maroon now, man. I'm going to go with David Fafita because he had no idea what he was saying at the judiciary the other <laughs> night, but it's a good thing he knows how to play rugby league. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a few more. Uh, it's a few head knocks away from uh, from being normal, right? So, uh, yeah, I think Fafita too. I just, um, you know, I think he needs a big game too. I think just on the back of uh, where, where their pack is and bits and pieces, so I'm with you. I'm going Corey Horsburgh. I reckon he can see and smell that maroon jersey. He'll reach out mm. today and grab it by inflicting some pain on men who will become his teammates over the next couple of weeks. Now, North Queensland against West Tigers is the 5.30 game on Fox League. In round 12, of course, the Tigers put 66 points on North Queensland. How many points did the Cowboys put on West this evening? Yeah, this is ugly. They're in the mood now, the Cowboys, mm. aren't they? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think, think the Tigers can still have a crack. They just lack the firepower. So I'll, I'll, I'll be kind enough and say 30 yeah, I, I'm with you. I actually think that um, the Tigers' defence will hold up a little bit in this game. I just think, I think they've got enough firepower from a, from an offensive point of view to put any kind of real pressure on it. I'm with you. I reckon it's probably t- in between 24 and 30 points. OK, Jason Tomalala back for the Cowboys, so I'll go between 30 and 40. Now, Brisbane against the Dolphins tonight at the Gabba, the Gabbatoire being used in the middle of winter. I teased this earlier on, boys. I want to guess from both of you and see who's closest. How many different venues has Wayne Bennett coached at after he coaches at the Gather for the first time tonight? So how many premiership venues has the master coach led his team at? Oh, wow. Well, there's now 17, although there's a heap of teams in Sydney. Uh, there'd be a couple of weird and wonderful ones over the years. Mm-hmm. Surely Seaford Oval and down in there in Queenbeer, and there'd be there'd be a few left field ones. So I'm going to go 17. Well, I'm going more than that. I'm definitely going towards 25. Well, you're both hopelessly short. This is the 44th Premiership <laughs> venue that Wayne well. Bennett is coaching at tonight. And you know what? It's the third this year. He coached at Wagga Wagga for the first time. He oh, coached yes. at KO Stadium Redcliffe for the first time. So he's third this season and the 44th ground wow. that he coached at during his long and illustrious career. As a little side question, I wonder which player tonight at the Gabba would make the best cricketer. I'm going to go early. I'm going to say someone like Selwyn Cobbo. I can picture him being a tear-away fast bowler and someone who comes in at 7 or 8 and belts 50 off 15 balls. I reckon he's, he's that sort of... Uh, cricketer, if he wasn't a rugby league player. Would you like to have a stab, boys, without necessarily having the team that's in front of you? Adam Reynolds would be a bit of a David Warner type, mm. wouldn't he? You know, that nuggety type that has a has a bit of a crack. I'd, uh, yeah. No, nah, I'm not swinging at oh, that like one. That. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you, you've left it outside off stump and your middle yeah, stump is now that's exactly right. gamble. That's <laughs> very normal. Now, Bulldogs v Newcastle, Baz. I'm tip- I, was, I was tempted to make this question simply... As a Bulldogs fan, Tim Barrow, just please explain. But I'll, I'll add a bit more to it. The Knights are unbeaten in five games this season when scoring 20 points. So they've won all five. Sorry. They're unbeaten in five. Four wins a draw when scoring 20 points this year. 
do they have 20 points in them to, tomorrow? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good stat. Uh, I think they do, but maybe that might still buck the trend of that statistic because I reckon the dogs might yet sneak this one. I can still see a few good signs in them, although, gee, the Knights, uh, they sort of need to show something for Adam O'Brien. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually think the doggies will get off and up, up in this one. So I actually don't think the Knights get their points. I think they're they're only about 12, um, and I think the doggies will show something. I I want to see a little bit from the dogs. I think they've been quite good, to be honest. I just again we come back to firepower. I think they've been pretty consistent with trying to get better week in week out, and I think you'll see a good uh, a good run this weekend. Fronts, Matty. I reckon they might get off if they get up in this one. Now, we move straight on to Manly <laughs> against the Roosters. Manly Roosters to finish the round. What are we saying after this game? Are we saying, thank goodness Josh Schuster is bound for the back row? Or are we saying, maybe there is a 5-8 in Josh Schuster? No, I think there's a reason they bought Luke Brooks and I think there's a reason why they've done these signings uh, at the same time. So I think uh, the back row move will be inevitable. Uh, In terms of the result, well, you can just about write off whoever loses, don't you? Yeah, and I'm the same. Yeah, we've got uh, yeah, yeah, the same, same, same. I was, I was just looking at it exactly the same way. So, well, it's, it's a real tough round for these two teams. I think it's, uh, it's in a pivotal time of the season, and we talked about the, what it looks like for finals, and this is an important game. Lucky last question, men. Who would look better in a Mark Hughes Foundation beanie? Matt Russell, Matt Campbell, Tim Barrow, Mitch Jennings, Pete the Perfect Panel Puncher from Putney, and why would I? Well, Pete, Pete is the only one here with a beanie on, so I think... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. to get it there. How does he get it there? Hunt almost a trip. He finds Negara. He's over for the try. He scores two tonight. The Sharks have hit 50 but may not declare there. I'm not sure what that was, Andrew, from Ben Hunt in terms of def- defensive effort here. Wallen drifts across the field. And Hunt just throws his leg out, throws his arm out, tackles nobody. And Nicara just drives through that line on the right-hand side. Oh, Matt Campbell, mm. you know I like a musical segue and a bit of Rick rolling there. Never going to give you up. The Dragons, gee, they just about have to give Ben Hunt up for something now because I know they reported that uh, he had the effects of the flu the other night, but, gee, two weeks in a row, the Dragons have just been blown away. They, they did make a good start against the Sharks. The first half hour, they did aim up, but uh, it's getting ugly and very quickly. Yeah, and I think um, I think they, they said it on the call just before. It's like the challenge was going to happen for the Dragons when it got tough after 25 minutes, and as it was, it was round about that when the floodgates opened. And, yeah, I just, you know, a team in real disarray. 
Ray right now. Lack of leadership clearly sitting in that space of uh, when you've got your captain only running for five five metres and can't kick the ball out and find touch, um, they're in real trouble. And I think, yeah, you're right. They've got to try and do something to try and maximise the opportunity of Ben Hunt um, to try and get some firepower back into it, start building for the future um, and do something about um, that you know, as it's a catastrophic situation right now. Well, the Sydney Morning Herald's Adam Pengilly is reporting that Ben Hunt may well have a second go at asking for a release after Origin Three. So this issue isn't going away. We're going to throw to the Illawarra Mercury's rugby league reporter who was there at the Sharks Dragons game on Thursday night. Good morning, Jeno. Morning, gents. How are we? Good, mate. Good. What's uh, What was the mood? What was the vibe after Thursday night? Oh, well, Pat, look, it wasn't good. <laughs> it's got it's to be said. It was, uh, yeah, it was interesting how quickly the wheels came off. As you mentioned, they were, they were in that one for a long way uh, and thought they might be able to make a game of it. But then the, the floodgates opened, in particular on that on that left edge. Paul Matty Fiennay was, was moved into the centres there, along with Tao Tao Mong and obviously Ben Murdoch Masilla. It was a brand new edge as Ryan Carr afterwards and uh, yeah Nico Hines obviously I'm added Britain Acora as we heard just having a field, field day out there on that edge but uh, look it was always going to be a case of uh, all eyes on on Ben Hunt and I think as as you mentioned there Basil oh sorry Matty mentioned five one run for five metres uh, after three runs for 24 metres against the Warriors a little bit earlier uh, it was always going to be tough when you only have 37% of the footy for any half but I, I just start to wonder Baz if the Performances continue the way they are. Do we do we start having a tanking conversation? I mean, is Ben, is ben Hunt trying to force you know the Dragons' hand in that way? I don't. I'm, I don't know. We'll have to wait to see in the next couple of weeks if the performances continue. But um, that's how ugly I think it's uh, starting to get. He's always been the professional, the one that always fronts up during the tough times during the Anthony Griffin era. But that's definitely sort of changed now, just in terms of whether he keeps the captaincy, because he was noticeably quiet there behind the goal line the other night. I mean, it must be such a difficult dynamic for the players. And the big thing I find now is that if he was to get a release, well, there's not a lot of cards on the table in terms of going to the Broncos for the Dragons, because... If he only goes to the end of this year, what are they going to get out of the Broncos mm. that makes it a worthwhile deal? Whereas if he was to sign, say, a two-year deal with the Titans, and he's made it clear he wants to go back to uh, Queensland, then there may be more leverage in it in terms of uh, playing the next couple of years there anyway. So what can the Titans offer if he was to go to the Titans this year as part of the next two-year deal? Jeno. Uh, you know, would the Dragons sort of start to look in the position now of, well, rather than just hanging on to him because he's our captain and we're going to get through this season, you know, would, would they start to move their position? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, Baz. Look, I wrote the other day when uh, when they first knocked back Ben Hunt's request for that release that the, they've actually got, or uh, well, been through almost this identical experience before, as you'd recall, Baz, with Gareth Whitteth. He signed a four-year yes. extension. I believe it was at the end of 2017, and it was only a year into that deal that uh, he he wanted it released on, on compassionate grounds in, in the same way as Ben Hunt does now, uh, on that occasion to go over to England. But the, the Dragons went out there and they probably thought they'd got a replacement and a pretty handy one in Corey Norman. But as we know, that that uh, partnership didn't work out certainly as much as, uh, as, as Dragons fans would have liked. So it's, it is an interesting to see where you watch that space. Like you said, Baz, as, as a captain, there was a moment in the game that I found that you, you wouldn't have seen on TV. It was only something you could see live at the ground. And it was a moment where uh, Tyrell Sloan struggled to, 
see Hughes that kick that came through and, and Sifa Talakai kicked it through and uh, Mulatalo scored his second try there. It was a bit of a disappointing effort there from Sloaney and Ben Hunt was coming back on side and uh, he probably said as much as, as a captain ordinarily would and, and uh, Sloaney wasn't really listening. I uh, was probably going, just heading back to the in goal, not paying a whole lot of attention to what Danny had to say and I just wonder if, you know, when you're in that position, you're the skipper, you're the halfback and you've made it clear that you want out if you've put in performances like he has the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it, it starts to certainly undermine your authority as, as captain. And I'm just wondering if that's the beginning of, um, you know, especially these younger players, whether they stop listening and, and starts to become untenable. But I, I, I applaud the, the Dragons for digging their heels in. I think this season is a loss uh, as far as it is. I don't think they're just salvaging much from it. And I think it has to be the long game and you have to be getting something like you said from, uh, be it the Titans or wherever Ben Hunt does land next. Uh, you need to get something out of it. It needs to be something that's not going to you know, lock you into another another poor situation like they did with Corey Norman all those years ago. Matt Campbell, part of the reason I talk about that Titans deal and what the leverage could be in getting a player is that I think they need to get a player, and I'm not sure who, exactly who that is, but they need someone who can be a fullback option to put a bit of pressure on Sloan in terms of that this, this isn't just... That job isn't just yours as a lock, mate. Mm. You've, you've got to earn it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think trying to get a couple of pieces that would ha- add, add a bit more for what they're looking to do long-term would be something that uh, that is good. But I agree, you need to put a bit of pressure on Sloaner. He's an outstanding talent, but you do feel like he's starting to, to believe the press um, and believe a little bit in that space. So he needs to be a little bit more humbled in, in way the way he plays the game. But I... I, I I actually did see a few things like that in the game the other night where I just looked at, like, how could you support and how can you... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, the Making the Mercury segment with Illawarra Mercury Rugby League writer Mitch Jennings. Now, Jenna, I read with interest this morning the Coromel Cougars, they might be anchored to the bottom of the Illawarra Rugby League competition, but given it's only a, a six-team competition and the changes that we've had uh, in terms of Sutherland um, with De La Salle staying in the competition, but Cronulla Caringbar not, um, they're obviously a vital cog in uh, keeping the viability of the competition. Jeno, have we lost him? No, we we might have lost him. So, yeah, we're just talking about uh, Coromel, who, you know, they're, they're obviously struggling in the Elora competition. Uh, they've lost all eight games so mm. far. They've got a, a negative 274 uh, for and against. But, you know, it's just such a vital part of the competition to have clubs like this too. Dapto have had their struggles as well. Um, you know, at the top end of the, the competition, uh, Western Suburbs, Collegians, De La Salle and the rule. So yeah. it's a really competitive top four. And we've seen year in, year out when those top teams just play each other that it's, um, you know, that they're hugely entertaining, yeah. fantastic battles. But, you know, you've got to keep these bottom teams going and keeping going viable. It's not just in the Illawarra competition. You know, across country New South Wales, there are all sorts of teams that have been struggling for numbers and to keep their head above water. So uh, I think we've got Mitch Jennings back. I was just talking about the column you wrote in the Mercury today, Geno, in terms of uh, Coromel's viability. Yeah, indeed. It was, um, you know, something I felt was important to, to, I guess, address, you know, this week with with Coromel because, you know, it's probably, you know, their contribution to the competition 
you know, this season could easily go unnoticed as they haven't got any wins and they could go, could go the season without one, which would be unfortunate to see. But, I mean, without without them turning up week in, week out, year in, year out, and, and making sure that, you know, like I said in the column, rivals come away with some, some bruises. We, we don't have an Illawarra Rugby League. We're down to six teams, obviously, this year, and Helensburg dropping out, Cronulla Caringbar were, were one and done down here on a season last year. So we've got to keep hoping. We owe uh, everyone in rugby league in the Illawarra owes to Cougars, you know, I think a big debt of gratitude for, for coming out and battling and trying to get that breakthrough win. And look, they'll be looking to do it this afternoon. They'll have an opportunity down at uh, Dapto Showground against the Canaries. I'm pitching this, this round as uh, as revenge round because everyone <laughs> in these games has, has something to play for because, as we said, Coromel's been really, really game and really competitive this year despite having not got that win. But the one game they would have been really, really disappointed with was a, a 50-6 to loss to Dapto there in, in Magic Round. The game they would have rocked up and really thought they had a chance for that, that win and didn't really make a great account of themselves. So that'll be, uh, that'll be one to watch this afternoon. Uh, Collegians going up there to take on De La Salle. They are in Magic Round as well. They were on top in that one, and De La Salle produced one of the best 40 minutes of any side uh, in the competition this year to knock them off uh, in the second half of that one. So Collies will be remembering that. They'll be heading up there, you know, with a bit of a point to prove. And likewise, back to Magic Round as well. It was the uh, rule, and, and West played out a brutal one there. I think West finished with 12 men on the field. The injuries bit that hard, but they did enough to see Thrill off and Thrill on that one. Probably a case of running out of time. The clock sort of beat them by the end. So, yeah, plenty on plenty on offer and, uh, yeah, revenge round on pitching it because, uh, you know, there's going to be some good games of footy with plenty to play for. I guess for our Sydney listeners who were there for the first hour on 11.70, uh, De La Salle are the only Sydney team in the Illawarra competition, which makes it a six-team competition. They're currently running third on 11 points, but they've been more than competitive against the top uh, Illawarra teams, which Wests are unbeaten uh, through eight rounds of the competition, and Collegians are second on 12. But Western Tyrrell, you'll be there covering that for Bar TV this afternoon. Yeah, indeed I will. Gibson Park, it's rare that uh, the Gibbo Park faithful get uh, two weeks in a row at their home ground, but they've got that this week. And, and West the rule, it's, it, I would say the fiercest rivalry. It's, it's strange. They're probably two clubs that get along, and a lot of guys get along with each other off the field. There's sort of this strange affection. It's almost like they're cousins or something in this competition. There's a there's a strange affection, but when they play against each other, it's a, it's brutal and it's hard sport and it's always... Uh, you know, thrilling to watch. So I'm very much looking forward to getting out there with our great mate Johnny Pett and uh, and calling that one for Bar TV this afternoon. It's going to be a cracker. Do you expect? I mean, De La Salle are pretty close to the mark there last year. Have they got enough in them to win it this year? De La Salle are, are a far stronger team than they were last year. They came in and had a really young side and made a pretty good account of themselves. But they were clearly always, uh, you know, a hair off those top sides this year. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Thanks for joining us this morning, Saturdays in the Gong, with thanks to the Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today and Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years at impactgaragedoors.com.au. Matt Campbell, you must be one of the most content men in the Illawarra this week. You've nailed down your roster for the NBL season. Gary Clark is your import and Todd Blanchfield coming in. You must be 
pretty happy with where you've landed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Illawarra Hawks, obviously, in the basketball this year is going to look pretty good. So we had a tough season last year. To be able to go out and recruit the way we have, it's, it's been, um, you know, real real tribute to the way that they played last season and to um, who we are as a club. So pretty excited. Gary Clark comes in um, as a, a wanted import for, for many teams. Um, played in the NBA for the last sort of five years and um, pretty happy that he's uh, we've got him inked into for us for this season. It's uh, it's plan panning out to be an exciting year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, you've got to go and take that trophy off the bloody Kings. Mm. So it's going to be a big season. You're the only uh, championship-winning captain, mate, so hopefully they can add to that because it is an impressive squad for ja- Jacob Jacomas. Uh, the second hour, you can stick with us on the SEN app if you're in Sydney or with the 1575 SEN track Illawarra. We'll be talking plenty more basketball. We'll expand a bit on where the Hawks are up to heading into their season. We're going to be talking football with the Illawarra Mercury's uh, Jordan Warren, as well as talking some Illawarra rugby with Toby Dawson. So, yeah, a big second hour to come. Talking about the Kings, though, like I, I, we mentioned in there, they've just lost uh, Dijan Vasilovic, um, a two-time championship-winning player, has elected to take up his option to be able to go overseas. Um, he's got a passport, which allows him to play as a local over. So, um, yeah, the Sydney Kings going to be in a little bit of strife this year, losing Xavier Cooks, Illawarra local, and Vasan Vasilovic, both gone from the championship winning team. Yeah, well, I guess it does get to that point where change is inevitable, you know, the, the empire has to has to change, if not crumble over time, so hopefully the Hawks can go and attack next season. Plenty more to come, the second hour of Saturdays in the goal. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Good times only here at Wollongong Golf Club. She's just starting to warm up a little bit on a brisk Saturday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying the start to your weekend. Saturdays in the gong, 1575 AM on the SN Track Illawarra channel. Or make sure you get us on the app or the website with thanks to Wollongong City, GWM Havel and Impact Garage Doors. Matt Campbell, we just touched on it before heading to the 9 o'clock news that um, you've Locked in your, your roster, um, the key pieces, um, Gary Clark is the US import and also the very experienced uh, Todd Blanchfield. So before we, I guess, expand on where you feel like the Hawks roster is at, let's just catch a few moments of the highlights of Gary Clark's G League showreel. Chance to impress some league executives here in Vegas. Napier, Clark, Clark! Saying he got bumped on the way too. Right on cue, Jacob. He comes in and he produces right away. It's not fun that they have some of those guys out, especially already not the greatest offense. They're ranked 27th in the league. Gary Clark, first time, no. Second time, yeah. And one. And he sees it, but then his selection at the end of a running down shot clock hasn't been the best. Gary Clark driving and scoring. Yeah, Kendall's been called twice for a shot clock violation. Fast pass to Clark. Clark sets, fires, and hits. Gary Clark for three. Napier and Akinjo. Clark, a three. Gary Clark's feeling it here in Vegas. He's got 26 points. 
Yeah, you announced uh, last week just before the end of the show that Gary Clark had come on board and mm-hmm. what, I, what I love about sort of the framing of how you went about it was that he was one of your unicorns. I mean, you know, we report on, on the, the signings and what's happening with the club and within the NBL at the, the Illawarra Mercury but, you know, within a, a, a player management and your role as the general manager of basketball that you set aside a handful of players to say, well, if we nail A, B or C here... That's an automatic uh, automatic signing, and that that came off for you with Gary yeah, Clark. Yeah, sure. And we'd been talking for two months with the agent on on Gary Clark, and we talk about it in in a unicorn sense. And and for the listeners, what that means is um, the 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 NBA talent pool is so vast, and there, and there is that next level of player. But the reality is, if they don't make the NBA, they normally go to the European top tier teams who play them. You know, probably five to six times more than the Australian market can pay them. Or they head to the, the the Asian market, into China, into Japan, um, where the basketball competition is nowhere near the standard of what we have in Australia. But um, the pay packet, again, is about that um, five to six times what they can earn in Australia. So we have what's called a unicorn list. And the unicorn list would be uh, any of these players who we could try and coerce to try and come to Australia to continue to play at a high level. Yeah. Um, the guys that may want to... Uh, get themselves back into the NBA or are trying to get to the NBA dream. Um, so we, we, we kind of play on their need to compete and their, their want to achieve the highest they can achieve as a basketball player and then spend some time trying to work over the agent to try and get them uh, in. And Gary Clark was one of those guys. Um, we had three or four other guys on that list. It's only a short list. You don't go too large on that list because you don't want to spend a lot of time. Yeah. Because uh, the reality in trying to recruit, I need to spend a lot of time working working through the next list, which is more achievable from our budget point of view, yep. working out who's the best fit, where, where else they've played in the world, um, you know, what kind of stats they have and how they fit, um, how their personality is. We do a lot of work in that space. And sure enough, Gary Clark was one of those guys. And it's funny, I was actually in Wagga when I had the best contact uh, <laughs> with the agent um, on the ability for this guy to want to compete and, and understanding who he was as a person. Now, Gary Clark played at Cincinnati. Um, was two-time conference defensive player of the year, which really suits the way we want to play our basketball. Yep. Um, and, and really unlucky not to be drafted into the NBA when he finished his college career. So followed a little bit of that, pulled on a little bit of those heartstrings and then found a connection through a few people. So um, lucky for us, Justin Robinson, our point guard, who signed with us last year, who got injured and stayed around, loved what we did as a club. Um, he had a connection through one of his friends um, who, who made contact with him and we just kept chipping away basically for the last two months we've been just chipping away trying to trying to keep in contact and um, just to see if we got him at the right moment and sure enough like last week we, we, we had that little bit of uh, an inkling we had just, uh, Justin Tatum who's uh, Jason Tatum's dad who's coming on board as our assistant coach for this year um, had also found a way to reach out to him through another mutual friend and just through those points of contact, um, we, we, we got him at a vulnerable time and he uh, agreed to come out to Australia. So pretty exciting to see an NBA-level guy coming to the, to the Hawks. That means two of our guys have had multiple stints at NBA clubs. Um, and our, our third import, Tyler Harvey's actually had a small stint as well before he got injured. Um, so we're pretty happy that the three imports we've got are NBA-level imports. Um, and that's a good start for a season. So from our uh, talent point of view, we're pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the, in the broader sense, you talk about players you know, wanting to get another opportunity in the NBA. 
they can go to the really big cashed up clubs throughout Europe. Um, you know, then there's probably the next step down in terms of big money contracts through Asia and the NBL, you know, and particularly the Hawks who being a sort of smaller market club, you know, you haven't got the open checkbook that you can sort of throw around. So there are those sort of headwinds and obstacles that you've got to sort of work your way through in terms of what kind of recruit you're going to get when you've got other leagues and other other clubs who you know, have much bigger budgets. Yeah, and, we, and we, like it's really hard because like Brian Gorge and arguably the best coach that's ever coached in Australia was coaching the Hawks two years ago. He's now with the Bay Area Dragons, which have a much bigger budget than we do, and we're literally talking to the same guys that they're trying to recruit. So, mm. um, and and we are in a bit of a challenge that way. But um, I think the 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 thing that the NBL, the Australian Basketball League's really got going for it is that we are a super competitive league. Like we literally are in the top three to four leagues in the world. The, the NBL themselves will tell you it's the second best league in the, in, in the world. We're getting there. We, as a domestic league, yes, we're pretty close. I think the ACB in um, in Spain's pretty talented as well and we'd be, we'd be close to that. Um, the, obviously, the European leagues have like what's called the Euro, which which all the teams come together and play in that, uh, which, is, which, which is not a standalone like, you know, local competition, but it's a, definitely a, a spectacular um, sort of mix of all the different European teams now, but like we're right behind it. Um, you're seeing the level of Australian basketball right now. Um, all the NBA talent that we're producing, we have 13 players in the NBA. It's um, quite extraordinary that we've got that many, and um, yep. it's just a tribute to to where we're heading from Australian basketball. It's interesting, to be honest. It's I, I, how do we continue to develop our juniors, and how do we keep the Australian talent in place? I just mentioned before the before the news that uh, Vashan Vasilovic from um, the Sydney Kings is now take, uh, um, opted out of his contract to go explore the European market because he's got a dual passport. Um, I think now that our level's coming up, you'll find more and more players exploring the opportunity to go get paid bigger money to play um, either in Asia or, or into the European market. You just spoke about Brian Gorge and there, obviously, the goat of uh, Australian basketball um, coaches. Uh, got the Hawks very close to a grand final series a couple of years ago. He spoke to Mitch Jennings this week at the Mercury saying, I see the Hawks top two. I knew it was a rough year last year, but I totally believe in this and you will see it next year. I thought the way Jacob Jacomas handled this season with uh, keeping the team competitive, keeping them together and keeping that culture strong. So it's a Pretty big endorsement. I mean, obviously, it was a really tough first season for Jacob as a coach. But we talked early in the show about uh, where St. George Illawarra at and how the wheels are falling off. I mean, it's a different set of circumstances in terms of players and the dynamic of it. But last year, you were in a position where the whole culture of the club could easily have dropped off, given the injuries that you had. And and it, you know, it's hard to go out there on the court when you when you're down on numbers. But you just you stuck together as a group. You know, you they they more often than not kept turning up kept committing kept being competitive and and you know they were unlucky not to pinch a few wins more wins along the way so that to me then you're getting the benefit of that now because that culture is being able to attract not only players but you know, you built a, a great roster as well. Yeah, sure, and and you're 100% right. When people talk about last year, it's a, th- a three and 25 season. Like you go, oh, a capitulation. And you normally, if you're looking at that just from the record books, you'd go, oh man, that would have been a horrible year to watch. But yeah. um, I mean, as a fan of the game, I, I, I sat there and watched, and I was I was not happy because obviously we want to win, but I was I was 
happy that they were competing, and that's what I didn't see from the Dragons the other night. Like you, don't, you want to see them compete on every possession. You want them to see them come together and at least know that you're outgunned by talent, and, and you could wear those losses. But um, when you're when you're outgunned by effort, that's when things really uh, capitulate. And I and I think when recruiting this year, spending some time with agents and spending some time with actual players themselves in the recruitment drive. Everybody said the same thing. Really liked the way that we competed as a team last year, knowing that we only had one import player um, towards the back end. And and I think that's really helped in the recruitment side of it. It hasn't affected me from the imports point of view, which which I thought it would. I thought that would have an impact. Um, so I'm really happy with the way that was. And, you know, we're talking about Ben Hunt as well, also from the Dragons' point of view. We had um, uh, Matthew Yang ask for a release towards the back end of the season. As soon as the agent asked me, I rang the coach, Jacob Jacoma straight away and just said Jacob got to let him go mm. uh, contrary to you know we needed him there was no doubt we needed some more talent on the floor but the reality was as soon as you get a player that wants out of the system you've got to find a way to make that happen now from, from the Dragons point of view they I, I think they should be trying to capitalise on that and try and get some talent back uh, utilise Ben Hunt when he's got some value um, to try and do that we didn't have that opportunity from a Mathiang point of view we had a we had a good young centre in a, in a colder Gak behind him that we we wanted to to give a bit of a court time, and we had Sam Froling, um, arguably the best centre going around in our league as a younger player, um, in there that we wanted to see if he could control more minutes. So, for for our end, no-brainer, let him go, play out the season hard, show the fans that the, the, this group is committed. We retained the people we wanted to retain out of last year's team, and we're able to put some good pieces around them. And we were talking off air just around this squad probably has more versatility, more tools to adapt so that, you know, someone does go down or, you know, things just aren't quite working at one end of the floor or the other. There's a few more options and a few things that you can play with, whereas, you know, last year was a bit of a horror story in terms of injury, but there was probably a little bit less resilience in terms of, and maybe depth in terms of your options. Sure, yeah. Like, it, we, we looked at it as a... As a um it was a risk last year when we put the roster together. Um, the the inability to be able to play um, heavy minutes at a point guard position if there was an injury was something that we talked about. Now we are a little bit susceptible to that again this year. Um, we've put Justin Robinson, the guy that got injured last year in the first game, is coming back, and you know if if he was to go down, touch wood, hopefully it doesn't happen. There is a little bit of vulnerability in our group in in that space, but we've been able to bring in a development player that we believe can handle that kind of heavy workload, especially defensively, in um, Bawali Bales from um, from Sydney into that space. But um, what we have done with the rest of the roster is allowed for... Um, those little in-between injuries, the one to two gamers, the soft tissue or the, you know, illness type injuries or missed game opportunities, we've allowed for some coverage in that space and we've allowed for the grind of the year. There's plenty of multi-double-header games where it's a Friday, Sunday, you know, you've got to travel to New Zealand, you've got to do some things where workload-wise where we'll be able to rest guys and, and load management, um, load manage those guys to be able to make sure that they're at their best, at their best come finals time. Now, Obviously, that's the plan. Obviously, looking at it on paper, as Brian Gorgian says, um, based on our talent, 
depth right now. Yeah, we should be a, a team that's right up there. Um, few of the teams haven't finished their rosters yet, so who knows what they can pull out, um, if they can pull a rabbit out of the hat to, to be as competitive. Um, but, it, you know, you'd, you'd definitely rather be in this situation where you're walking into a season where people are starting to talk that, well, you know, maybe maybe they're a top four team yep. rather than, you know, last year when we put the roster together last year, everyone was looking at it. They were like, oh, the Hawks will be down the bottom. So. It's great to see that there's a bit of, bit of hype again and we've got a little while to go before the NBL season kicks off but the Hawks, uh, Matty, you've done a sensational job in getting the uh, the squad together and we look forward to seeing what uh, Jacob Jacobus can offer this year as a coach hopefully with all the, uh, all the players at his disposal. Well, we talked about injuries. I want to throw from the basketball to the cricket, the Ashes there um, last night. We wondered how... Yeah, we wondered how uh, we'd go without Nathan Lyon, and the answer was pretty, pretty simple. A, a strategy as old as body line. Put two of the uh, <laughs> two or three out there on the boundary on the leg side, one under the lid, and bowl some chin music at it. Stuart Broad certainly copped a bit of it. So the Aussies, uh, they're two for 130 at stumps after day three. Usman Khawaja, 58 not out. Steve Smith, six not out. This is the day the Aussies can really take control of this Ashes series already one up. Yeah, totally. I think you're 100 percent right. And I, I love the, you know, I love the chin music bowling. I thought that was outstanding. Um, I, I, when I looked at it when we first started, um, I was just like line and length just didn't seem to have anything in it. And I was like, oh, I wonder when we're going to throw in a few of these uh, bounces. And I thought they should have done that earlier in the in the list, especially when those openers got off to the 91 um, 91 run start from the Pommies' point of view. I thought there could have been a bit of uh, change in the way that we were bowling. I, th- I have liked that about the Poms this year. They have they haven't stuck to that simple plan. If, it, if it's not if it's not working, they're quick to make that change. I think the Aussies uh, initially were a bit slow to to make that change with the openers, but um, certainly cleaned up the tail. And it was funny because both tails really haven't wagged mm. uh, in this test. Definitely, like I think we got cleaned up when we were well and truly on top. Um, but you know, I think the Poms were looking like they were going to get right back into it, and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much Pat Cummins tries to force a declaration. If the first session or two goes well, mm. given the English, well, will they chase it with Basball? That's the uh, that's the edict that they've been saying. So, yeah, it'll be a fascinating night of cricket tonight. We're going to throw to a break. We're going to come back and talk the Women's World Cup. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. going to be hearing plenty more of that in the coming weeks that is the official theme song of the fifa women's world cup being held in australia new zealand it's titled do it again by benny and more i was like what the hell are you playing 
mate. I've, I've got a <laughs> got a broad uh, interest of music. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's going to be the official theme song. You know what? I I uh, I was lucky enough to cover the 2012 Olympics in London, and Muse was the official theme yep. song. I didn't mind the song, but being there for 15, 16 oh, days and every event, everywhere <laughs> you went, it was there before every game. So it just got a bit <laughs> tedious towards the end. But you'll be hearing plenty more of that. A man who'll be covering some of the Women's World Cup is the Illawarra Mercury's Jordan Warren. Good morning, Jordan. Morning, boys. How are you going? Very, very well, mate. It's just getting to that point where there's a bit of buzz about it now, isn't it? The uh, FIFA have taken ownership of the, the grounds. They've, they've kicked the rugby league out to the Gabba and to Marvel Stadium there in Melbourne. And there's, uh, there's a bit of hype now that the, uh, the Matildas can put on a hopefully showcase and go deep in the tournament. Yeah, you're exactly right, Baz, and it's good to see all those other codes being kicked out. For once, it's usually football the one that's being kicked out, so it's, a good, <laughs> so it's a good time of the year. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. It, it, it's a bit like the calm before the storm has been happening, and now it's sort of getting to that point where, where it, it's really real. We're just 20 days away from the Minnesota's opening game against Ireland at, at what should be a packed-out stadium in Australia, so it's, it's pretty exciting times for, for football fans around the world, but especially football fans in, in Australia. One thing I do like is that it seems like the Matildas have timed their run really well. There's a lot of form about it. Obviously, Sam Kerr is going to be key to winning a World Cup. But Caitlin Ford, who I'm pretty sure this is her fourth uh, FIFA World Cup there, I mean, she is now just such a high-level professional footballer. She's been in the Arsenal system for a couple of years, and I'm just excited to see what she can produce. She'll have his own, Caitlin Ford. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Ford's fourth World Cup, which is pretty phenomenal. She joins some illustrious company in terms of the men's and the women's game. And, you know, the way she's going with Arsenal and, and hopefully in the next four years, she could be going to a fifth. So for her to be from Shell Harbour and from our region, it's something that needs to be celebrated as much as possible. And really, should, she should be having a statue at Mine Bar Oval, something like that. Like, that's how much she, <laughs> she deserves it. But, yeah, I think I think that the, the run, you're exactly right, Baz, in terms of the run of the... The uh, Matildas, uh, they, when Tony Gustafson took over the role a couple of years ago, there were a lot of question marks over some of the results and the performances in that time. But, but we just saw with the Cup of Nations uh, about six months ago when the Matildas took it out on home soil that, that things were really starting to click. And I think that one of the things that, that Tony said throughout his whole tenure and continues to say is that he, that he wanted to build that talent pool. And now he has it. He's, he's picked players from from overseas that are playing overseas and he's also picked plays in the A-League women's like Claire Hunt's had a breakout season at Western Sydney Wanderers and she's in line to start in that first game against Ireland so there's a number of players there's, there's about 22 players that could be in that starting 11 and I think that that would be crucial going forward for the Matildas especially in a in a tournament type setting you've got injuries like uh, little suspensions a couple of yellow cards here and there then players are out so it's important to have those big squads and I, and I definitely think that the Matildas have that and they also obviously have that false man of of a home crowd that's going to hopefully see them home. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait for it. Having a major tournament on our own own soil will be fantastic to watch. Uh, speaking of our own soil, the Wollongong Wolves had a frustrating night last night there at Albert, but- Albert Butler Memorial Park with uh, a 2-1 loss to St George. They've been in the, the mid-table battle and this result doesn't help. Yeah, no, it was ultra frustrating considering that last week they went to Rockdale, who were one of the title favourites, and they beat them 4 0. So to go and go home at Albert Butler last night, and, and St George have played really well this season, to be fair. They're a good side to watch, and they're, they're, they're sixth on the table, I think, now, or fifth on the table with that win, and they've, they've produced some good results this season. Of course, they beat the Wolves 
5-3 earlier in the season. And, and of course, they won 2-1 last night. But, yeah, it was a frustrating performance. Like, the Wolves didn't play bad. They kept a lot of a lot of possession. Um, but they just couldn't really break down uh, Jack Kenny or break down the defence and get any shots on Jack Kenny in the St George goal. Um, we scored in the... In the second half, Lachlan Scott scored in the 51st minute, but then a frustrating own goal to Andrei Kanazumi in the 58th to, to make it 2-1 to St. George, and there was nothing he could really do about it. He was just trying to prevent a cross, and it unfortunately went in his own net. But uh, an interesting point, I, I noted that um, we're 22 games into the season, and, of course, the old NPL system used to be 22 games with finals, and this season it's now 30 without finals, but we're 22 games in now, and David Carney's team, obviously, he's come into the... He's come into the role this year and, and refreshed the team and has got a, a, ver- a relatively young team and, and they've got 28 points and seven wins so far in those 22 games. Whereas last year, obviously, there was the big wet, there was COVID, there was there was injuries, but we the Wolves only managed four wins in those 22 games. So fair play to the Carnes coming in and, and completely refreshing the team and, and um, having that young team and that they're able to get six more points than, than last season. I think it shows that they are on the up. But yeah, and, uh, and ultimately a frustrating result last night if they can... can sort of build that consistency, which obviously inconsistency is something that, that young teams always go through. But if they can build that consistency in you know the rest of the season and into next season, uh, well, they could be playing in a, in a second division next season and hopefully they're consistent in that. But if they build that consistency for the remainder of the season at least, that, then they, they could be up in the higher part of the mid part of the table uh, come the 30th game of the season. The Illawarra Stingrays head to Sydney to play Bankstown Sunday, 5pm. So just quickly before I let you go, before we head to the news, Jordan, uh, the IPL. Oh yeah, a bit of Springsteen for your Saturday morning. Saturdays in the gong, thanks to Wollongong City, GWM, Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. And also Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. ImpactGarageDoors.com.au We heard from Matty Russell in the first hour, but now it's time for everyone's favourite segment, Bang the Gong. Matty Campbell, I'm going to throw to you, mate, the best, the worst. What's caught your eye in terms of what's been happening in the Illawarra? Yeah, look, my my thing, the best, is a, is a good one this week. I'm normally a little bit on the negative side with banging the gong, but mate, the Blue Mile, for the listeners that don't understand the Blue Mile, that's the walk that's pretty much all the way around the Illawarra or the Wollongong foreshore. Um, my kids have been off on school holidays, so well, that's a negative for this week because they get three weeks during this middle part. <laughs> yeah. But they've been out every day on the... Blue Mile, riding their bikes uh, up and down that thing, just keeping them active, getting them out of the house, yeah. getting a little bit of time off the screen. So for my bang the gong this week, the Blue Mile in Wollongong. I'll tell you what, I, I before I moved to Shell Harbour, I used to live up there at North Wollongong there, and I just we used to love it. You know, go for a walk every afternoon, just wander down there from North Beach down here towards City Beach where the golf club is here at Wollongong Golf Club, and yeah, just a, a perfect way and a perfect bang the gong. So, to my bang the gong for this week, it's a little bit uh, further afield. He's not actually from Wollongong, but he was part of the Illawarra, or leading part of the Illawarra Mercury's coverage of the UCI Wollongong Cycling Championships that were here last year. Rupert Guinness, he's an experienced author and newspaper writer. Uh, He's an absolute legend of a guy. I was lucky enough to work with him with the Mercury there last year. Now, he's done an extraordinary feat. When, When he was here last year for the championships, he... Uh, he was getting uh, ready to prepare for the race across America, which is a they go from the west coast at Oceanside in California and finish at Maryland on the east coast. Mm. And 
Last year, he sort of bombed out. It's it's obviously such a grueling, demanding event. So he took 12 days, 19 hours and 41 minutes, made the cutoff point, which is a really demanding thing to make. He's in the 60 to 69-year category too. He was the only man to make it across in his age group. It's just an extraordinary feat to make it at the second attempt. Let's, uh, Let's just catch her a bit of the action. Four-year projects finally it's come to fruition. I finished in Ram. It's just sitting. I'm come, I'm in a state of shock and mixed relief as well because of the journey I had from last year with a really disappointing DNF. No way you talk about it is it, it, it hurt a lot. And um, but I wanted to show what I learned from last year's disappointment and put into practice and. Had a fabulous crew and crew chief and Gary Hamer and they managed to help me get to where I am now in the finish line of Ram in Annapolis. That's my bang the gong for this week. I'll tell you what, I'm lucky chasing the kids on a bike, let alone going all <laughs> yeah. the way across America. It's an, an extraordinary, extraordinary effort. Um, well, fitting too, really, on the eve of uh, the Tour de France starting tonight. So yeah. that's uh, an outstanding uh, bang the gong. I, I, I mean, that feat sounds like absolutely one of those ones where you just go, I, I like what people try and put themselves through, but that's something that I don't think I'd like to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, he you know, cramps, neck pain, all sorts of minor elements as you go. Obviously, you have your brakes as you go but I mean just so demanding just trying to keep you going through fluctuating amounts of heat as you travel across the middle of America so yeah an, an ex- extraordinary uh, achievement I will throw a negative bag in the gong there there's been a bit of an issue down at uh, Shell Harbour where the Shell Harbour Club have been looking at establishing a fast food corner there on uh, the main road in mm-hmm. Shell Cove they're looking at putting three fast food joints I'm a little bit against it mainly because well aside from um, you know not having kids eating junk food too often because it's just down the road from my my joint but you know the other thing is is the traffic flow um it's already sort of bad enough on weekends getting in and out of shell cove so it'll be interesting to uh, see that but that's my other bang the gong for this week well matty we talked about the dragons earlier and you know you've got to look at where the ben hunt situation obviously is but when you reflect on what you sort of did with the hawks in troubled times last year you know i guess how do you tighten it up do you just have to galvanize the unit do you take do you take the captaincy off off ben hunt i mean ryan carr how many changes or tools can he make sort of without all this falling apart? Yeah, real terrible situation for an interim coach to come into. Um, I mean, I think I, I like what they've been trying to do. I I think the buy-in is, is semi there from the from the whole group, but when you've got your leader um, from a from a floor point of view or the field point of view not buying in is, is always very difficult. And I actually thought that the other night. I'm like, do you just throw him on the bench? Do you just rip him out of the game and, and, and embarrass him from that point of view? Because clearly... We, we talked about tanking, and I'm surely he's, he's a bigger person than actually proper tanking on the field. But the reality was one run for five metres um, in, a, in a loss, the biggest loss that we've had against Cronulla, mm-hmm. um, the history. So, yeah. you know, things obviously aren't going well, and especially when they started so well. It wasn't like it was a, from the, the very first kickoff that they got belted. It was in a situation where we're in the game. We're actually playing probably better than them in the start, and then yeah. all of a sudden it was just a, 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 a flurry of points and and a real you know uh, a lack of effort from everybody after that no that comes down to leadership and leadership on the on the ground and you know I was I was kind of looking at it and a bit scathing about it like oh, like do you just rip him out of the game put him on the bench yeah 
make, make him feel embarrassed about his effort, make it even more of a turn, uh, talking point so that he has to ante up every time he's on the floor. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if the report uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald today is right that he's going to look at a second release around after Origin 3, I think it's at the point where he has to be stripped of the captaincy. I think they need a new voice, someone who they can get behind. Now, whether that's say Jack DeBellin, who's sort of probably the natural leader within the team. I'm not sure whether a lot of fans would be happy sort of mm. with, with that happening or not. But, you know, they need to be able to have a, a different voice and just sort of not be able to sort of look at the guy who wants out yeah. still trying to lead the way. I just don't, I don't think, even if he stays for the rest of the season, I just don't see how that's tenable at all. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, at least have a leadership team. At least, at least bring it in and 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 give a group of guys an opportunity to to be natural leaders. Um, I, I I don't disagree with you with Jack DeBellin the way he's been playing. I think he's been outstanding. Yeah. Um, that 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 also leads to another question from my point of view: is do they have enough talent? Like, if if you're looking at the likes of Jack DeBellin doing really well, which is he, we all know he's a quality player. Yeah. But is he of that level where he's the next dominant player on our list yeah. um, from the Dragons' point? of you and that's that's the question I started with at the start of the season would it would it have mattered with Hook as coach yep. with, with anybody did they have enough talent to be competitive yep. was it really the coach's fault now that's obviously continued in this space and that's why I think you know from the Dragons point of view if you can if you can negotiate a deal with the Titans or or with another team Queensland based team or wherever else it is yeah. to try and get some talent maybe get a veteran in there um, and then pick up a couple of young pieces to add to what we really need for the next two or three years, you'd be definitely better to do that now and try and push your way into finishing off this year, showing a little bit of grit um, and giving the fans a little bit of hope for next year and helping in your recruitment for next year. Because if it finishes out and continues the pathway where they're going now, Mm. they'll be in real trouble trying to recruit next year. It won't matter how much money they throw at people um, because the reality is they're only going to be able to throw a certain amount at at, at one guy to get a real top-level guy. So, you know, I think they're in a a real funk right now. It's going to be hard to get out of. The... The thing for me now for, for Shane Flanagan is where he goes in terms of leadership uh, and direction with Sloan, Sullivan and Amone. Now, I was listening to Matty John's show yesterday on SEN and Denon Kemp was talking about these young players need direction. They need a lot of support. They need that guidance. And it's at a key part of their career. You know, at Jersey Flag level, they had a lot of success. Yep. They've obviously got that combination together. But you've got to guide them and bring them up to sure. that NRL level. And if... Flanagan can't come in and have that group. He's then either got to go to market and find another experienced player to come in or we're looking at another wasted era and the Dragons have obviously already had sort of, what is it now, 13 years since they won the Premiership and look no closer to winning another one. So, yeah, really difficult situation for St. George Illawarra there. Back here at Wollongong, Wynn Stadium, uh, Friday, July 7 against the Raiders before a bye in the lead-up or around Origin 3. We'll head to a break. A bit more to come on Saturdays in the Gong. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Well, 
your Saturday morning. That's our theme song, Saturdays in the Gong, here live from Wollongong Golf Club. Did you catch Elton, Matty uh, Campbell? Uh, he did the uh, the close of the Glastonbury Festival last no, week. No, it was I extraordinary. Didn't. Yeah. You know, 76, he's tottering on his feet a little bit these days, obviously, and if this is his last gig, I tell you what, he signed off in style. He you know, he came on stage, but as soon as he sat down at the piano, it was just a phenomenal performance. Yeah, I, I, he's an unbelievable performer. I, I've lucky enough to see him twice live uh, here in Wollongong one time when he did it on the, on the uh, stadium ground out here, open air, and then yeah. the other one was at the old entertainment centre up in Sydney, and I was actually an athlete still at that time, and I remember sitting in there, and he just would there was no breaks, he just kept getting, belting through the songs, and I actually had to stand up and walk out, <laughs> I had to walk out just to give my back a bit of a rest and stretch the legs, and sure enough, I could hear the songs in the background, he's a phenomenal performer, you know, just a, a lover of uh, pleasing the audience, and yeah. you know, it was one of the best things I've ever seen, so he's, a, he's a, people go to as arguably the, one of the best performers that's ever ever touched the earth. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And I was just talking about in the, in the break there that he's he's kept himself modern in the way that not only his songs are classics, but he's done a lot of sort of duets and collaborations with sort of more modern artists. He was up there with Brandon Flowers from The Killers uh, there the oh, other unreal. day, you know, and he's done a lot of these different different uh, sort of uh, genres as well, you know, some quite poppy, some with his songs. So, yeah, he's a, an extraordinary artist and uh, we have to tip the cap to him as well here at Saturdays in the Gong with uh, Saturdays being the... The theme song. We've got a bit of time for some uh, for some local sport going around the ground. So Illawarra Rugby, Tectars up against Camden, Shamrocks and Kiama. Uni taking on Campbelltown and Shoalhaven up against Barrel. Now, my Mercury colleague, Agron Latifi, wrote a story this week likening uh, Shoalhaven to uh, the Illawarra Rugby version of the Invincibles because they're, they're unbeaten. Mm. And a- Avondale are the only team within uh, chasing distance uh, of them at the moment. But, uh, you know, They've got the Brandon brothers down there. They've um, they've just got uh, just a, built an extraordinary uh, club. They're they're just doing hugely well down there. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can uh, stay the course and go the distance to win uh, another another title there. Heading to uh, Group 7, we've got two catch-up games. Albion Park Oak Flats take on Milton Ulladulla and Stingrays take on Kiama uh, Sunday at 3pm. So if Kiama are to get moving for finals this season, that's a game they would like to pick up. We spoke before of Mitch Jennings' Illawarra Rugby League. He'll be uh, covering Thoreau versus West this afternoon on Bar TV. You can catch that live and free on the Illawarra Mercury website. Thanks to Bar TV for their coverage. De La Salle take on Collegians and Dapto up against Coromel. Now, there's also a bit of NBL 1 action on this weekend, Matty. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Illawarra Hawks, the NBL 1 team. The girls play at 5 o'clock uh, tonight at the Snake Pit against the Bankstown Bruins, um, and then followed by the men at 7pm. So, um, good local basketball action. we got um, a few of the NBL Illawarra Hawks players playing, or one of them, at least Dave O'Hickey, and uh, a development player uh, in Harry Morris playing um, tonight on the on the men's side of it, um, we also have an ex Illawarra Hawk legend in Timmy Conrad running around on the floor. So it's quite a good night out in the Snake Pit there. The 
for the adults, they have the the bar open and it's quite affordable uh, beverages to watch on and uh, the kids seem to run amok. They've got the ability to be indoors out of this cold and uh, so it's a good night out for everybody if, uh, if you are looking for something on a Saturday night in the gong. He might play forever, Tim Conrad. You might have to drag him out of the building. <laughs> Seriously, I think he's sniffing around to stay as an injury replacement <laughs> this year. But hopefully, like you said earlier in the show, we've got enough coverage that we don't need to be calling on the, the famous 22 to be uh, suiting back up. Uh, he's one of the greats. You love a transition three from Tim Conrad. <laughs> Always excites the crowd. Well, we've got one more break in us, and then we'll be back to wrap it up. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Sprint to the finish line here on Saturdays in the Gong. Thanks for joining us on 1575am or on the app or the website. Uh, thanks to our champion sponsors, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today or Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. ImpactGarageDoors.com.au. Now, an eight. Eight race uh, Kembla Grange meeting. So if you've got a free afternoon, head down to Kembla this afternoon. It features a conditional uh, benchmark 68, which is a pretty handy race. There's some nice horses uh, in that. Uh, Kim Warbring's Tinker Lad is a $4.20 favourite. The price is Mr Rocket. Might be... Uh, might get back into the winner's circle today. So, yeah, we'll see what happens at Kembla. I'm going to throw you a tip in the last at Rose Hill, Matt Campbell. But I'm also sticking local with it. Ross McConville, the Gwenda Markwell, the late Gwenda Markwell stable. Uh, either or from gate three, mm. Chad Schofield on. A $4 chance. It's an even enough race, but, you know, knocking on the door of a, a, a nice city win up there. And I think it's a, a good chance. Yeah, OK. Well, I'm on a complete Matt's mock this week. So um, I'm looking for a lot of value. I'm going Flemington race six. Um, Andrew Bobbin, uh, one of the local players, played with the Steelers back in the day. Yeah. I used to, you know, we used to lift weights together in bits and pieces. Now a horse trainer has got himself a horse in race six. It's called Off His Rocker. Now it's paying, <laughs> it's paying fifty-one bucks, uh, eleven dollars for the place. So I'm going each way on Off His Rocker, number sixteen, and race six at Flemington. Oh, you'd be off your rocker not to have a dollar each <laughs> each way. Remember, gamble responsibly. You win more than you lose. Head to the gamble. Help website. Uh, if you feel like you need it now, we haven't got long to go. Uh, a big, uh, big day of uh, football action, starting with the Raiders and the Titans. The uh, captain of the Saturdays in the Gong Ship, Matty Russell, will be down there covering that. The mighty Bulldogs tomorrow. Go the dogs! Come on, boys! Come on, doggies! Let's get a win up against the Knights tomorrow. Also, the Tour de France, as we uh, mm-hmm. mentioned, and the Ashes tonight. Where will your head be turning? Oh, mate, I'll be, I'll be flicking channels later on tonight. So after a couple of orange whips, it should be a great night. Oh, I can't wait for the Aussies just to go on with it tonight. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Jordan Warren, of course, Mitch Jennings and Matt Russell. We'll be back 8 to 10 a.m. again next week, Saturdays in the Gulf.